Thanks for listening. This is Brian Hurley from Business Performance Improvement. The podcast, Lean Six Sigma Bursts, are short lessons, comments, Q&A, and insights. If you have a question, send your question through the Anchor app, and we might feature you on a future episode. Or contact me at biz-pi.com. In this podcast, I wanted to talk about some criticisms about Six Sigma. There's been some posts on LinkedIn that kind of go in and poke at the Six Sigma methodology. Some call it words like a myth or a fad or fake or something like that. I'm not sure where all that's coming from. There seems to be some real anger towards, for some people, in the methodology. Um, and I'm not saying Six Sigma is perfect. There's some things I don't really like about it. I try to steer away from that in the training, but for the most part, it's a really sound, fundamental, effective methodology. And so I just want to go through and talk about some of these and share my thoughts so you have a better understanding. If you see something like that in the posts, then you might know where some of the misunderstanding might be coming from or maybe valid criticisms that um, need to be changed or adjusted. Just like any methodology, there should be continuous improvement towards it. And I think over the years, the methodology that originally was developed has changed and it's gotten better. So the first one I want to talk about is this 1.5 Sigma shift that is referenced in the Six Sigma terminology. So let's start with the definition around Six Sigma itself. And there's a little confusion around that. Technically, it means that if you have a process that has specifications, the nearest specification should be six standard deviations away. That means you're hitting a Six Sigma performance. And if you hit that performance, you're gonna be so good and there's hardly any chance of having a failure due to natural variation in your process that you'll hardly ever have a failure. It'd be like one in a billion chance. And that's because your natural variation of a process, if it's like a bell curve or normal distribution, will be about three standard deviations in either direction from the mean or the average. So to have a specification that's out to six standard deviations away it's like double what your normal variation would be. So you've got like three extra standard deviations of buffer between your process variation and your specification. But if you look up or have heard much on Six Sigma, you know that the actual number is 3.4 defects per million. So where does that number come from? If one out of a billion would be the probability if you were out at six standard deviations. Well, apparently there was some research done and a long-term variation study was performed on stacking of disks back in the 1980s. And this is what uh, Michael Harry, one of the original founders, and um, I think he was involved with putting together the Motorola University. He said that this was showing that the processes aren't fully stable in the long run. So if your process is at Six Sigma, it could actually fluctuate up and down one and a half standard deviations because they saw that happening on these uh, stacking of disks. So they worked that into the calculation and said, if you're at a Six Sigma process, you're really at a four and a half Sigma process, potentially. And so the calculation for the 3.4 defects per million is based on the 4.5 Sigma calculation, which means that your process has shifted one and a half over. So now the nearest spec limit is four and a half standard deviations away. So now you only have a 
one and a half standard deviation buffer between your process variation at three standard deviations out to the four and a half standard deviation spec limit. That just adds a lot of confusion, I think, and it's hard for people to understand and, and derive those calculations. And then a lot of people have pushed back and said that that's really not something we should account for. It's based on one data study. Is that something that happens in processes? And there's not a lot of evidence for or against that idea. I said, why is it even there? So some of the criticisms I've seen really kind of poke holes in it and say, well, if this isn't right or wrong, you can throw out the whole methodology. And I think that's really naive to think that. That's one little tiny piece of this whole methodology. And I even tell people, like in my course, I might do a two-week Greenbelt course. That's like almost 80 hours of instruction time. We probably talk about that 1.5 sigma shift for about one minute. It's just another way of calculating your data. Your data is still what it is. Whether you factor in a 1.5 sigma shift and, and calculate the sigma level, uh, that was created for Six Sigma, but you don't have to use that. Let me pause for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Creative Safety Supply. Creative Safety Supply is a great resource for free guides, infographics, and continuous improvement tools. I recommend starting with their 5S guide. It includes breakdowns of the five pillars, ways to begin implementing 5S, and even organization tips and color charts. From red tags to floor markings, it's all there. Download it for free at creativesafetysupply.com slash 5S. You don't have to report things as a sigma level. You can report it in many different ways. You could use just yield. You could use um, the number without the shift. It doesn't really change the, the core methodology that's there. Um, but people get hung up on that and feel like, well, that's a problem or it's confusing and they need to get rid of it. And therefore, Six Sigma is not really helpful or useful. So again, you can use it or not use it, doesn't matter. What I do like about it, though, is that it does help us think about that our processes may not be fully stable over the long period. A lot of the times we collect data, we run these analyses, and it's over a shorter period of time or a data set that maybe is a couple months maybe six months, for lucky up to a year. But does that variation hold over two, three, five years? We don't really know in a lot of cases. So the idea that you have to think about your process shifting or moving around a little bit in the long run, I think that's a really important concept. And so, for example, I've had processes where we'll do a capability study and we'll look at how far away the spec limits are and so usually if your spec limits are more than three standard deviations away, people are pretty happy with that because they can see that the normal variation in the process goes out to about three standard deviations on each side. So if your spec limit is at three and a half standard deviations or four, then that feels like there's some buffer there and that's good. And that's true. That is a pretty good process if the process holds steady there. So all they're saying is, why don't we give a little bit more buffer to account for the fact that your process may move around. And so whether it does or not, let's try and improve the variation even more just in case it does so that we don't run into problems later, you know, six months from now where the process slowly drifts one way or the other up or down. And now you are running at a higher risk of falling outside of those specs. So that part I think is really helpful to think about, but, if I bring it all back together here, the real goal is to measure your process 
see how you're doing in whatever metric you want to use, and let's try to improve from where you are. So if you want to calculate a sigma level and you're at two sigma, let's try to go to three sigma. If you just want to use a yield metric and you're at 80% yield, you want to go to 90% yield. Uh, just improve from where you're at. That's really the goal. And the whole methodology is about doing that exactly, following steps in the process, following this roadmap, and giving you tools to follow and use to get you there. And these methods have worked for decades. So I'll cover some of the other criticisms, but, but I thought I'd start with the one that I also agree is confusing and probably doesn't need to be in the methodology. And as a consultant, I move away from focusing on that because I don't feel like it's adding much value and it's adding more confusion for people. So hopefully that was helpful. If you want to dig into that 1.5 Sigma shift, I'll put a link that explains it a little bit better. Um, but the main thing, focus on improving your metric from where you're at and follow the DMAIC roadmap that Six Sigma provides for you. If you have questions, let me know and we'll talk to you soon. LeanSixSigmaDefinition.com has a list of glossary items about popular process improvement terms, along with a history of Lean and Six Sigma methods and key influencers like Dr. Edward Stemming, Henry Ford, Taichi Ono, Shigeo Shingo, and many more. You can also learn how to access affordable Lean and Six Sigma training and certification. Visit LeanSixSigmaDefinition.com.